You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Secret Rooms. Definitive Edition. Chapter 7. The Incident on Rutledge Road. From the Journal of James Penrose. Elkview, West Virginia, October 11th, 1882. We set out from Weirwood at 8am. I have called that place home for over a decade and every step away felt to me like the movements of a struggling butterfly emerging from his atrophied chrysalis. What gathered in horror at the back of my throat and required repression on a minute-to-minute basis was the realisation that against all expectations upon this particular butterfly's reintroduction to the world, it would seem that he is still very much a caterpillar. Overmuch is expected of us. These stirring accounts in our new handbook, though inspirational to me in the twilight of yesterday's evening, now seem like the admirable work of another species entirely. They are tales of bravery and forthright thinking, and through these, the marshalling of hearts and minds. I am a doctor, bound to set bones and stitch up lacerations, and I will play my part as best I can. But the pressure to comport myself in ways both historic and equally inspirational to those within this book is, I will confess, the greatest of my enemies barring my progress with bared and venomous fangs. This enemy knows my weaknesses and essential fallibility, my selfishness and fear. Abigail rode in silence beside me as we travelled behind the two experienced cartographers, weighed, measured and decorated as they were. If Miss Grey has such qualms, she hides them better than I. Her face remains an unwavering mask of self-assurance, adorned with a cocksure grin. I shall not confide in her, as it would betray my dependence. But I am supremely grateful that I am not alone in this endeavour, and that it be she who steps out alongside me. For our companions I will vouchsafe my admiration is not flagged in the cold, intimidating light of the new day. Sergeant Butler is the kind of chap I would follow into battle and most likely end up tending to the grisly wounds of, only a very little. He seems the sensible, determined sort, with preservation of life upon his mind, and I shall be observing him most closely for clues as to how to comport myself. His lady wife, Annie, may be even more worthy of attention. I observed her closely as she toured our grounds, and found someone of similar attentiveness to my own level, only skilled in a different mode of situational surgical assessment. She reads people in a way I cannot yet, and is able to respond to them with natural charms and assertiveness that I suspect makes her the perfect model for a cartographer. Her demeanour is averse to aggression, yet I sense in her a readiness and willingness to respond with deadly force. It is this contradictory balance that makes her such a formidable example of Director Arlington's ideal American. By late afternoon we had paused on several occasions to log new terrain on the maps. Abigail took great pains to point out relevant details about our surroundings to our companions, whilst she still could. We were both clearly aware that we were now reaching the borders of our understanding of the known landscape. In fact, as we passed beyond this boundary, there were many times I caught her gazing about the surroundings with fascination she would typically keep obscured. She has manifestly longed for this day. Around five we approached a caravan in the road, a simple wagon that had been drawn at an angle and seemingly abandoned in a hurry. 
scattered clothing and possessions hither and thither, suggested it had happened fairly recently. It was in fact possible that someone still occupied the interior of the wagon. What happened next is recorded here, with the best of my abilities. Everybody off your horses. We're about to be ambushed. Just act like you're real interested in the wagon there. They go for the horses first, then the men. If the ladies give up, they get prizes. If we dismount, they won't shoot the horses because they'll be looking to claim them too. That means you fellas need to get out of sight. Butler, you get on under that wagon with the good doctor. I've got one of them, over there, behind the chestnut tree, standing on its own. I'll get the one by the rock in the creek. That should give us some cover to the west. Unless we've missed one, that is. Abigail, could you be a deer and keep your eyes west? See if you can spy a body looking to take a shot at us. Then follow my husband under that wagon there nice and quick-like. Things are about to get real unpleasant. Dr. Penrose? You be ready to tend some gunshot wounds. Got one of them. Well done, my darling. I got the one by the creek, too. Is anybody hit? None here. I'm fine. Crap my knee on the fucking wheel. It's not fatal. You keeping your eyes west, girl? They're west. No sign so far. These boys won't shoot for much longer. How easy do you think it is to find new bullets all the way out here? They're just trying to spook us into bolting into the open. Oh, I know. I know you know, but we're not playing home defense anymore here. This is their territory. For the time being. Told you. Jacob, you hit? Willem? You're damn straight, Jacob's hit. Willem, too. Cocksuckers! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on now, fellas. For I have a proposition for you. What kind kind of proposition? proposition? Who am I talking to? What are your names? Fuck you, that's my name. Virgil? Well, Mr. Virgil, Mr. Fuck You, be honest, fellas. How much do you make raiding these here countrysides? I'm willing to bet not much. We make plenty. Maybe so. I see two possibilities. Option A, you gentlemen are real, true robber barons, living fat off the booty you haul with each passing train of mooks. In which case, you'll very shortly be killing us with your many bullets, taking our clothes, horses, and weapons back to your well-stocked, hidden, and defensible hideout. But there's an option B. Option B is that you're tired, hungry, and scared shitless, and haven't had a hot bath or a friend you could trust in a dog's age. That pickings you make out here just about keep you alive and on the brink of desperation every morning when you wake up feeling sad and scared and angry. And you'll never listen to the words of nobody outside your little group. In which case, I'd say within the next hundred seconds we're going to kill all of you. Probably losing one or two of us in the process. Just fucking kill him. Hold on now. Hold on. There's also my proposition, option C, that you should consider. Because... I think you're going to like it. You boys come with us. What? I am 100% serious, sir. You are talking to four representatives of the reunified states government. We were, up until the point you opened fire on us, on our way back to our base camp, which is not far from here and populated entirely by rigorously trained military types. They are expecting us home for supper. In fact, they're most definitely going to come looking for us if we don't show up. So that base camp of yours better be supremely well hidden and or mighty defensible if that ends up being the case. However, 
<laughs> and I'm not yanking your chain here, because what would be the point? If we bring you along and put you to work, you can earn an honest living rebuilding this country. There are dozens of men and women at the camp, and thousands more back in Washington, all of whom could use your help. You got any proof of this? Plenty, but you've got to trust us long enough to show you the appropriate documentation. Hey, Virgil! Seems like you're more of an accommodating fellow than your loudmouth friend over there. How about you shoot fuck you in the face for us and we'll leave you alive? Fuck you too! Hey, Virgil, she's just joking with you. Don't do anything foolish now. We want you both. What good's another dead man to us? Miss Gray, I would appreciate it if you would let me handle this. You're handling this? Tiny, crazy little girl, you're juggling with snakes here! I have to side with Miss Gray on this one. If we trust them for one moment, those twitchy, drunken imbeciles are just going to open fire again. They're scared. We're scared. It's not worth the risk. Have a little faith, you two. I do have faith, but it's the kind that has a limit. There's a window between cautious and stupid, and that's where my faith is. And it sure as hell doesn't cover trust and mercy to a couple of shit-heel raiders. Now, I don't know how cartographers are supposed to act in this scenario, but I know if this was me alone, I would shoot those two down the moment I see their heads. Well, it's not you alone, Miss Grace. You just button your lip. Come on now, what choice do we have here? We got plenty of choices, as always. Do we? I'm the leader, I say what we're doing. I think she's telling us the truth. Why would anybody give a damn about us? Ask her again. This is bullshit. How do we know the moment we step out you want to shoot us both to save your hides? It does seem rather too good to be true. Well, let's see. Does either of you have a deck of cards on you? I do, ma'am. It's missing the king of clubs, so we just use a picture of him. You got an ace of hearts in there? What the flying fuck does this have to do with anything? Uh, yep. Toss it up in the air, Virgil. What are we, 300 yards from you? Seems like it. Uh, just toss it up? Don't do it. Why not? You'll give away our position. They know where we are. Tossing it now, ma'am. Did I get it? Holy shit! Okay, that was pretty impressive. Well, all right now. You do the smart thing and forget about options A or B, and I swear to the Virgin Mary herself, and every saint you could name that I will not shoot you both in your hearts, or any other tender area of your person. And for that matter, neither will any of my party. But, if you do something stupid, out of fear or greed or just plain mistrust, then I swear by those same holy personages that your shirts will cry red. The oligarch. Hot bands where you come from? Not as often as we'd like, but some's better than none. What kind of work you got for us? Well, what can you do? Any of you a smith or a leather worker? Well, Willem is a smith. Well, he was anyhow. Sorry about that. I can cook pretty good. When you get food, right? Well, we have food. How about you, stranger? I can... Well, I can sew on a button if it's needed. It's needed. What about our wives? Bring them along. Okay, Queen of Hearts. What do we do now? Just toss down your guns. Every single one of them. Knives, too. Knuckle dusters, tomahawks. 
anything that you could be foolish enough to try to do us a mischief with. You got that, Virgil? And friend? It's Carl! Suits you more than fuck you does. I can't believe you're trusting them. How often do you do this? Honestly? Once a fortnight. Maybe twice. Half the time it doesn't work. Then why do you bother at all? Just kill them! Because half the time it does. I'm not ready to sacrifice my partners or myself just because I don't trust folk. Someday this is going to get you killed. Maybe so. But we ain't rebuilding nothing with more corpses. Now you interrupt me when I'm working my magic next time, and I'll gag and hogtie you, provided your mouth and shitty attitude don't get us killed. Abigail fell silent, and we walked out to meet Virgil and Carl, who stood meekly, waiting for us in the road like lost, bearded children. Their wives were retrieved from their pitiful lodgings, secreted in the nearby hills, and some terse exchanges were had behind closed doors. In the failing light, Butler and Abigail righted the wagon and hitched two of the horses to it, clearing the road and ensuring that it did not go to waste. Oakley stood with me and watched the woods for goblins, or wendigos, as I must now call them, while the surviving pair of bandits dug shallow graves for their fallen comrades after stripping them of all belongings. They did not consciously check themselves in this, nor shamefully hide their deft fingers, and I surmised that a simple force of habit of looting the dead had been instilled in them over the long, hard years. Butler drew up in the wagon, and with the help of the surly wives, we began to load the spoils of the halls of these thief-lords in preparation for their permanent exodus. The process did not take long. We continued down the road, making our way towards the cartographer base camp as a largely wary and apprehensive group, now doubled in size. You have been listening to Episode 7 of Secret Rooms, The Incident on Rutledge Road, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Annie Oakley, performed by Loretta Saylor. James Penrose and Carl, performed by Alex Shaw. Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. And Virgil, performed by Lauren Grieve. Long Note 2 and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many Soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too. Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vahey, Daniel Salguero, Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Wazenski, Christopher Wolfe, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisholm. Just before we go, it is worth pointing out that the first book in Phase 2 of New Century has just been released, Uncivil Outlaw. And this is the first one that I am doing 
without the audio adaptation coming first. So that's Uncivil Outlaw, now available on Amazon, via the Kindle store, or a beautiful paperback edition. And this one is a gripping, page-turning political thriller. So if you've read or listened up to Steamheart, this book is your next port of call.